You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, pardon interruption, but do you want to learn more about love, lust, sex, anger, happiness, music, time, space, and the human race? I hope you do, because I'm here to beg you to listen to Soul Forge Podcast. We're your weekly dose of life and living here on the ESO Network. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and soulforgepodcast.com. A proud partner of the Rusted Robot Podcast here on the ESO Network. Let's find out together. Welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. I am your host, the Monster, back to give you a podcast of sci-fi news for this week. As opposed to, like, why did I pause there? Like, I was going to make you a cake this week in a podcast? I don't think that's possible. If there is, let me know. Email me. I would love to make you a cake in a podcast. But in any case, today is October 11th. Why is October 11th any different from any other day? Well, one, it's Friday. Two, I'm recording a podcast Friday night. And three, the most important part, I recorded a great podcast with the writer and director Abe Forthside, who is the guy responsible for a movie called Little Monsters. So if you have Hulu, don't stop this podcast just yet. But I want you to listen to that podcast because I interviewed him and I kind of gave you kind of like a non-spoiler review. But after that, go watch Little Monsters on Hulu. So we love horror movies. You like zombies. You like comedy. This is everything. Lupito Nyong'o is in here. Josh Gad's in there. Alexander England is also in here. So it is fantastic. In a nutshell. So I kind of like, I kind of spoiled the whole non-spoiler thing. But I loved it. I really, really, really did love it. I had a great time. And was happy that I got an interview. You know, that's one of the cool things that I've been trying to do with this podcast is kind of expand what I normally do. And the last time I got to do an interview with a director was a movie uh, about a year or two ago called Please Stand By. And uh, I got to interview the director for that one. So I'm like, I love that option. and love that opportunity to have every once in a while. So it's out of my comfort level, but I'm, I'm glad to present that to you. Okay, so that's a big deal for me is that you go and listen to my podcast and you talk to me about how you thought about that movie afterwards i'm curious to find out okay so the other big thing is that of course my normal big three topics that i have for the sci-fi news short treks which is what happened on cbs all access they produced for the second season kind of short little vignettes like 10 15 minutes long 
and this is now the second season of that. And I thought the the first one that I was going to review, which was released this week, was actually the second one. So I reviewed I'm gonna review the first one and the second one. So in the next segment, that's gonna be two short tracks that I'm going to review, which is QA and the trouble with Edward. And then the second part is going to be the big news about what's going to happen with the Marvel Cinematic Universe come phase five and issues with women taking the lead, which is, you know, not that it's that controversial, but it is definitely a hot button topic. So I'll talk about that. And lastly, I will be talking about the thing with Blizzard Entertainment, specifically Hearthstone, which is uh, a game that they produce and how there's esports around that and the controversy that's kind of brewing since there was an incident about this in regards to China and to Hong Kong. And I'll talk about that at great length. So uh, I think you'd be definitely interested to hear my thoughts on that. The little tidbits that I'm going to have to talk about right now. We have news. Uh, it's kind of like, okay, we'll do this. We have Star Wars, a new trailer coming out this Monday. So if you have ESPN on Monday Night Football, expect to see a new Star Wars trailer. So I'm kind of, not that I'm leering here about a new Star Wars trailer, but, you know, it, it's I don't want to dash my hopes that I'm like, okay, we'll grin and bear it. it it's definitely a very touchy issue for a lot of star wars fans young and old and of course you know stuff that's happening in disney with the galaxy's edge and just how star wars doesn't feel right it's not that happy place in which a lot of us who grew up with it gets to play in the universe again and there's a lot of issues around that too so but we'll talk about that another time but in any case that will happen this coming monday so fingers crossed <laughs> uh the other topic was that uh ryan johnson who directed the last jedi uh there was an article talking about you know he doesn't know now if he's going to be actually making another set of star wars trilogies so if you remember at the the Star Wars convention a couple of years ago, and I think it was in Chicago, there was um, uh, something of an announcement that Kathleen Kennedy said that he's going to make three new movies right after, like in a couple of years, after Last Jedi, which is going to be a brand new trilogy, still in the Star Wars universe, but a different place, and do new characters and new settings and all that. And then, of course, Last Jedi came out, and then... Hold oh, that went away. Uh, so everything has been kind of like on hold. So it's it's always been, well, they're reshuffling, they're reanalyzing their schedules or whatever it is. He's still talking to Lucasfilms. So uh, I don't see this, in, in my opinion, happening even remotely. Now, he does have a movie called Knives Out, which is kind of looking like a whodunit murder mystery kind of like clue-ish, if that hits, and then a couple of years down the road, 
because we would have the Mandalorian. We should have the Clone Wars of the another season of it, possibly. This movie that's coming out, the, the the Rise of Skywalker, will do great, and then we'll see about having another Star Wars movie done by you. I'm not saying, in my opinion, that he should get a trilogy, maybe one shot, and that's it. But again, we'll see whatever happens in the future. But there's a lot riding on making sure that Rise of Skywalker does hit. So we'll see about that. And lastly, we have news about He-Man being released onto Netflix as a movie. Sony has been kind of developing, I, I guess, it's, would it be a reboot? I guess it's a reboot of the, the original one they did back in the, the 90s. Dolph Lundgren and Courtney Cox, Frank Langella. Uh, oh, my God, the guy... <laughs> Lieutenant Paris from Voyager, that guy, <laughs> I forgot his name, and I forgot, I'm blanking out on Evil Lynn's name, Meg Foster, Meg Foster, Meg Foster has the most beautiful eyes, and they're beautiful gray eyes, Meg Foster, I love her so much, and she was fantastic as Evil Lynn, but I think Frank Langella, with the makeup to look like Skeletor, he did a pretty good job. And he's going to save you 15% on car insurance, suckers. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so Sony wants to produce this, but they've been having issues, I guess, trying to figure out how to do this properly. So they just might kind of offshoot this off to Netflix, which is now kind of not unheard of to have uh, studios produce um, movies like this and just kind of give it to a streaming service. So since Netflix does have, uh, I think, four seasons now of Shira, the animated series, and Kevin Smith is going to do one. So why not put that in there? And uh, considering that the streaming wars, kind of like the Clone Wars, have begun, Netflix, they need to have something in their corner that fans are going to come to them for that content that no one else has. So We'll see what happens in the future with that. So I'm going to take my first break, and then when I come back, I'm going to do my first review of the first two short tracks, Q&A and Trouble with Edward. I'll be right back. Live from Chicken Town, this is the Flopcast, a podcast obsessed with comic books, Saturday morning cartoons, conventions, music, stuff from the 70s and 80s that nobody else remembers, and chickens. It'll be the silliest half hour of your week. You can find us at flopcast.net and on the ESO network. I'm the mayor of Chicken Town, and I approve this message. All right, so let's talk about... The first short trek for the new season for Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, whatever. All right. So the only bright spot that I can say is that Discovery is not my favorite show at this time. No surprise. If you listen to my podcast, you hear my rants. It's not my favorite show at this time. There were some highlights that I love from season two, and that's namely Pike, number one. Not really too much on the on Spock, 
But the fact that we get to see the Enterprise finally and its updated look, which is another problem that I had initially about Discovery's look and how there's no way that Discovery can look that uh, modern compared to what the TOS, the original series, is supposed to look in 10 years. There's no way that would be. So the resolution was, no, everything gets updated. So the Enterprise gets updated. I loved it. Thank you for that, those little moments. But there's still issues with Discovery, but Anson Mont as Pike, fantastic. Rebecca Romaine, uh, no Stamos, just Rebecca Romaine, uh, uh, is fantastic as number one. So seeing the, the first day that Ensign Spock is coming to the Enterprise, I can kind of get with. Why? So much, uh, I, I think the problem that I had initially with, why did we never have... Um, Sorry, let's start off with this. Any spoilers? Sorry, but again, if you're listening to this podcast, you should know there'll be spoilers-ish. All right. So for season two, we have uh, kind of a resolution as to why Spock never mentions his half-sister-ish. The, 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 the logic behind that, and I'm not Vulcan, but the logic behind it is like, you know, we have to keep this a secret and like it's Discovery's lost, but whatever. Fine. But this first day of Spock's assignment on the Enterprise, I'm kind of cool with. I'm kind of happy with, you know, that's their take on Spock. Okay, I'll go with it. I don't know how his first day on the Enterprise was. So when you play with canon... And I think that was one of the problems. It was that Discovery was kind of playing canon a little too... They couldn't dodge around it in, in a very uh, creative way. This one, uh, this one short track that they did in which you talk about a day that we've never seen before, but you know it, it has to have happened before. So there was no precedence before there's nothing on record that I know of about in any uh, Star Trek novel that talked about his first day. This was a thing. So the fact that they were able to make this part of canon without kind of like, you know, bumping their their heads against the regular canon. And it was perfect. I actually enjoyed this. And Why? Because this was the Enterprise. This has nothing to do with Discovery. But again, I was great. I was happy with this because it kind of has the old feel of the original series and has kind of an updated look to the ship. Even here, the 2009 music in the background. Do you see the, the turbo shift? elevator kind of whizzing it through which is like uh, it's not what i would have thought about in the original series but that's fine and it does a great job of introducing us to um, a side of spock that i'm sure he's always had but you know he's kind of kept to himself 
Um, the fact that we don't have any information about number one, she's a blank canvas. And what they did with her, they just set it up perfectly. I'm just so, I, I can't be more than happier than what I saw on that screen. And the two of them, I want to see more of their relationship. And in addition to Pike, and I want to see an Enterprise crew dealing with Pike and their adventures. That's the Star Trek that I want. And I'm not saying that I can't have Star Trek without the Enterprise. We can definitely do that. We do have it on Voyager. We have it on DS9. Uh, you have the predecessor, the NX-01 Enterprise, which is the not really Enterprise. But you can still do this. And I have no problems with when you have a, a ship called Discovery, except that, to me, the crew doesn't work whatsoever for me. You have a couple of good characters, but as a whole, you have a lot to work with. But in this short trek, less than 15 minutes, I got their, not a power dynamic, I, I get their working relationship. And it's great. It's the, the thing that I, 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 I cherish when you're working, let's say me as a librarian, working at a different library after you're working wherever. And you're meeting your superiors or you're meeting new people. And sometimes, you know, you have to have that whole, you have to break in the relationship. And what better way to kind of break into the relationship is that you're in a crisis in which you're kind of stuck with each other. And in that, that became their bonding moment. You know, much like when you found out, oh, so you like to have uh, you know, you like donuts or you like watching, you know, scary movies and you bond over that and you kind of have, you, you become to have a, a great working relationship because you have similar interests. And that's exactly what happens with Spock and number one. And it's fantastic. I'm actually applauding what they did in the short trek. So kudos, major kudos for inspiring me to feel like there's still hope for Star Trek. Never mind about the Picard series. This one short trek really warmed my heart. Because again, I felt so disappointed with Discovery. But again, moments that were on season two, I loved. Like her. Number one. Him. Pike. The Enterprise, I felt so nostalgic for that. Even when it's updated, it still plays perfectly. That's what you guys should have been doing with Star Trek Discovery. But we've got our good and bad in Star Trek. Hopefully, we'll get better. That's all I can say. All right, so the second part is going to be the trouble with Edward. So we get H. John Benjamin, who is Bob from Bob Burgers. He plays Archer. He's a guy now on Arby's. So it's kind of weird to see the guy that does the voice. It's like it, it doesn't feel like that's the voice or that's the guy with the voice. Just it's completely uh, disconnected. 
but he's still good enough to be a good comedic actor. Now, for this episode, we're dealing with triples. And we have, again, Captain Pike at the very beginning of this short track congratulating, I guess, someone who just got a new promotion to be captain, who is, and I'm blanking out on her name, sorry, but the woman who was Alita in Battle Angel is now the new captain. So her first assignment is going to be a science vessel in which Edward is going to be on this. So as, as the story progresses, uh, there are issues with Edward. So when we see the crew from the Enterprise, and this is like the original series, Roddenberry said that by this time, we got past uh, human drama, right? There was no conflict within each other. The conflict that we sought out or what built up that story was outside, dealing with outer space, dealing with unknowns, dealing with aliens, right? So we really didn't have that much of a conflict. Now, you're going to say, well, you did have conflict on the Enterprise. Yes, you did. But because Spock was half alien, the conflict was between that. Bones and McCoy. Bones and McCoy. It is a Saxon person. Bones uh, had conflict with Spock, right? Constantly about cold Vulcan logic versus the emotional side of being human for McCoy. But in this case... You have Edward, who is kind of not like a, a nut job. Um, he's definitely, as he put it, not dumb. But he is kind of, I don't know what's the right word to put him. But remember Lieutenant Barkley uh, from Next Generation and how he was kind of like a little skittish at times about his personality and he kind of had little reasons because of like the transport thing kind of like weirded him out. So there are moments in which you have like Edward, who is this type of character that doesn't really like change, or at least he doesn't like the way things are being done uh, in regards to his work or his work being kind of dismissed. So he kind of has, Oh my God, stupid cat. So he doesn't like that feeling of having his work being dismissed. So he kind of anonymously reported on a new captain about how she's bad at her job and how she's terrible and she's bad, she's dumb and all this, right? But the logic was is that, and it makes sense, she's new to this crew, to this mission, and if you're not working out, I'm just going to simply transfer you to another department or, in this case, to a different ship. Uh, again, going back to the principles of Star Trek, and I, this is the problem that I had initially with this episode, is that this should not have been the issue, right, for that drama. Now, put that all aside because this is just me being the extreme end of a Star Trek fan that knows way too much about this and should be enjoying just the silliness about what Edward has done in which he is genetically manipulated the DNAs of the triple with his own DNA to the point where they start populating themselves and become, as they put it, 
They're born pregnant. So it takes over the ship. And Edward, you know, at one point, you know, waiting for the transfer, he's walking around the hall, like, in his underwear because that's the way he is. And that's when I, I felt, look, is this is is this Discovery's version of the Orville episode of what this would be like? Because if it is, then I would go with it, right? You you set up the world to do this and interject a little humor. Orville does the way they do because that's what they do, and I can play by those rules. Not to say that Star Trek does not have humor. But seeing Edward in his underwear and no no pants, it's kind of weird. It's not a thing that I would just say that's something that you would want to see in Star Trek. But in any case, uh, it ends with kind of not a court-martial, but there's a, there's a hearing about, you know, to the captains, like, you've just been to the ship for the first couple of weeks and you've already lost it and you've caused, like, an international or uh, intergalactic incident because of the damn tribbles um, festering, you know, this planet and the Klingons are involved and all that. But you blame it on Edward because he's an idiot. Okay. Again, if I was going to look at this as being more lighthearted there were good performances but i just thought possibly i just couldn't get past it with the triple thing right and i think the other issue was because there were such problems with the 2009 no sorry the one uh into darkness one after that 2010 2011 i forget i'm trying to in which you know kirk was saved by triple blood. Uh, so if that's the case, then that would work. Then I can actually watch Into Darkness because then that would make sense that if they're able to have this kind of blood transfer into Kirk because in, in Into Darkness he dies, but then he's brought back from the dead with triple blood. Don't get me started with goddamn triple blood. Um, but... That's a good workaround. I don't buy it, but sure, let's go with that logic and just say that's what happened. <laughs> and that's why Kirk is alive. Okay, we'll just go with that. So it's a lot better than, let's say, no, I can't even say it's better than an episode of Discovery. No, I can't. No. There's nothing, I, I can't even disclose it. Would this be better than one episode of Discovery, even on a good day? No, it, it doesn't. Because, again, you don't have enough time to establish these characters. Whereas, what works in the first one is that you already had these, cap, these characters already established. So whether you knew them or not, you knew enough from past history or from the past season, as opposed to a brand new crew, a brand new situation. The only thing that's familiar are, are triples. So so it's not that bad, but it's nothing that I would just write home about. I was kind of disappointed in the end that that's the way that they chose to go with. But in any case, I will say this, and I did post this on Instagram. There were two mock-ups that made each episode look like Star Trek novels. 
classic Star Trek novels. If you look at my Instagram feed, you'll see those two pictures. Thank you. Whoever thought about that idea, thank you so much for restoring my faith in marketing. Because that was brilliant. That warmed my heart. Considering how bad we've kind of split Star Trek fandom so badly, that was perfect. You acknowledged the past, but also foraging a new future. Just with that fan, that, that, not fan art, but that marketing poster was fantastic. So even though I didn't love both episodes, both posters are fantastic. And I actually would love it on my wall, or at least frame it. So, All right, I actually went on longer than I expected, but let me go ahead, take another break, and I will be coming back to talk about what's going to happen with at least in the future about Phase 5. The PWR Spot Show Podcast is a weekly wrestling podcast on the ESONetwork.com. We only talk about the real stuff. You know, Hulk Hogan and Pile Drivers. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes every Monday. You can also follow us on Twitter at PWR Spot Show and go to PWRSpotShow.xyz. All right, for the second part of the, today's podcast, we're going to be talking about what is going to happen with Phase 5. So a couple of articles came out in which they talked about Captain Marvel, which it's not everyone's favorite <laughs> to be nice. And that's okay. I will admit that I, too, do not like Captain Marvel, despite the fact that I love Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, which is completely different from the movie itself. Trust me, it is, in my head. So the, the, the problem lies is that Captain Marvel cannot be denied that it made a billion dollars, despite the fact that you had fanboys really attacking this movie, like almost from the very beginning. So you're going to have to make a second one or give Captain Marvel some kind of significant play in the future. That's obvious. But when we had like the press release, even with Avengers Endgame, that felt like in the press junkets, there was some kind of animosity about what's going on with um, Brie Larson's role in the MCU future. Now, even though you had Captain Marvel that came out before Avengers Endgame, did a billion dollars, I was expecting to see her role be much bigger in the Avengers Endgame movie. Now, we do get this fantastic moment in which we get all the female heroes in the MCU all in one shot. And that's fantastic. That's brilliant stuff. I mean, that is setting up for what we want to see in the future. So it's kind of conflicting reports that I've been reading today. 
So again, this is nothing more than speculation or there's rumors or yet to be confirmed information. But this little bit, I don't know what you want to call it. But at one point, Captain Marvel in phase five is going to be taking over the role of leading the Avengers since Tony's dead. And of course, Captain America has now retired. Okay. Uh, logically, from a comic book standpoint, there's no one else that I. Well, Thor would still be around, technically. But who knows what happens with. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, when that movie gets released, and that storyline, since it seems to be that Jane Foster, Natalie Portman's character, is going to be the new Thor. And then, of course, we have the whole controversy about Marvel and Sony splitting up because they didn't want certain rights or to pay more, in the case for Sony, to have Spider-Man in any more MCU movies. So that future was kind of up in the air. So, you know, at one point, yeah, I guess you're going to have to make Captain Marvel the the leader of the Avengers. Or, But it, I never felt there, there would be a reason for her to kind of join it since her primary mission since Captain Marvel was like in, uh, what was it, uh, Black Widow mentioned, we could have used your help here, or maybe Rocket, whatever. Like, there's too many other bigger problems than what's happening here on Earth. And she was dealing with that. And that's fine, and I get that. But to be then so uh, focused on a Earth-based team, I don't see them going out into the galaxy and fighting, you know, in the stars. I don't I don't see her role as that. But now then we get Spider-Man back into the fold. And then another room is saying, no, no, no. He is going to be leading the Avengers. And again, as a comic book guy, that's that doesn't make sense either. There's no way that he could be leading a team like the Avengers when you have a lot more older, more seasoned heroes, albeit... I don't know who's on the Avengers, but again, I'm not going to have Peter be the leader of the Avengers. That's not how it works. So uh, we are going to get a, a Black Widow movie, but I would have nominated her since she technically took over after Tony was presumed lost or dead in space, you know. Uh, when in Avengers, she took over the role as leader, but now she's dead. But we're going to get a movie next year, I think May 1st or something like that in 2020. But it's a backstory, a prequel, so to speak. So we're back to what well, then who's going to lead the Avengers? I still don't know. If anything, let's put Captain Marvel leading a that an A-Force team, which is not a force team, but the A-Force, which is like the female heroes that we have right now. We also should have, and hopefully will include, She-Hulk, which is coming to Disney+, Plus, as well as Miss Marvel, also coming to Disney+. Plus. So I think those are two additional characters, and then again, uh, Thor 
from Love and Thunder would also be great to do that. The other thing, too, is that Disney, you know, after so many, like, 20-plus movies, I can't even think I'm in 24, we've only had one female hero in the lead of their own movie and another one be a co-star in another, which was Ant-Man and the Wasp. I felt as a man, and again, not mansplaining here, but enough of seeing the heroes being men. I want to see women take charge. It matters. And I know you don't want to write stories or do stories just because they're women, but because the stories are great in and out of itself, and it just happens to have women. So there's a bonus there. So yes, I want great stories, and I want women in charge. You can have both. But the the other side of that equation is that you shouldn't force this to be like always women. Well, you know, until you make that change, nothing will change. Because it's always been male white heroes. There are more heroes out there that are not white males. Thank God Black Panther came out, but he's not the only hero. I want to see Shuri don the Black Panther house, the costume. I'm all in for Shuri. I want to see more Dormalaji also be in, heavily involved in the future. I love them. I want to see more of those stories because I'm tired already seeing what I've experienced after 20 plus movies with always being the male, white male guys, right? And I was watching the NBC Nightly News this evening and there was this uh, last piece in which this a beautiful, adorable child looking at a picture of Michelle Obama. So the child is also African-American, and so is Michelle Obama. When she looked at her, she said she thought of her as a queen. It should matter that when we have superhero movies, that you should be able to see yourself as a superhero, or even a woman president of the United States. It has to happen. And until we make it happen... No one's going to think about themselves in that way. So you do need to kind of set a precedence to establish that there's more stories to be told from different points of view and even different genders. But that should not stop you from enjoying those stories otherwise. All right, guys. So I'm going to come up to another break. And then the last story, again, is talking about this whole Blizzard entertainment controversy with China. I'll be right back in a moment. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. 
playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and right here on the ESO Network. All right, so now I'm on to the last part. And again, I am so sorry that this is taking a lot longer than I normally would do. But this one, I did a lot of research on, so I'm going to have to uh, bore through it. So kind of bear with me on this. So in order for me to talk about the Blizzard Entertainment controversy, I had to kind of give you a lot of setup, just in case you don't know what is at stake, okay? When we're dealing with China, we have about over a billion people in China, right? We have a lot of companies that work in China, like Boeing and Nike and Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Apple, Starbucks, and Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? So starting with Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, they established themselves back in the late uh, 80s. Uh, but just like anything or any company that's here in the U.S., they're going to have to kind of tailor their services and goods to meet the needs of their customers overseas in order to stay business, you know. Um, like if you're doing something like in India, you can't have necessarily a hamburger because a lot of the Indian people are vegetarian and they, they cannot have hamburgers. So you have to do a different thing. So um, KFC has learned to adapt to that culture and it has succeeded to the point that now, like when it comes to, like, to the holidays around Christmas, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken is a big thing especially in Japan. So it's like you think about having like turkey for Thanksgiving. Well, for them, you know, that is equated with Christmas is having chicken and KFC just is nailing it every year, like a big tradition. So when you talk about Japan, namely, right, we have a lot of people who are basically expatriates of China that live in Japan. Back in March, we had in Hong Kong protests that was happening, which is still happening right now. What is at stake is that there is um, an amendment that the Hong Kong government was trying to introduce, which was the Fugitive Offenders Amendment. Now, that bill would have essentially uh, subjugated the Hong Kong residents to the mainland, meaning that you will not be um, prosecuted or you will not be done there, but in China. And China has a different set of rules. So it was not fair. So they're trying to protest that bill itself. So they kind of counter with their own anti-extradition law amendment bill to do this. And there is this big protest that Hong Kong is dealing with. So move into now October. This is just recent. The NBA got into a bit of hot hot water because the owner of the Houston Rockets tweeted out uh, a picture in which it said, you know, fight for freedom, which is standing with Hong Kong. Now, back in the day, Yang Ming used to play for the Houston Rockets, and he's Chinese. Over the years, the NBA has been getting more popular in China, And Yao Ming has helped make that uh, a big business for the NBA on his side. 
Now, the problem lies is that because of that controversy, the, the Chinese Basketball Association that Yang Ming runs, he further cuts off any televised NBA games, period, in China because of that comment. So at first, the NBA was just like, you know, we're, we're sorry that this is happening and, and, and so forth. So they're trying to kind of make this thing kind of blow over. So the the Houston Rockets manager had uh, deleted the tweet, and he also apologized for this. But it looks like at the time when I'm reporting this that nothing has happened, or at least nothing has changed. The NBA commissioner is overseas trying to get this result, right? But he also gave a statement a couple of days after this incident in which he basically was saying they will not put himself in a situation about regulating the players or the employees or the team owners uh, what to say, what was in, in any of these given situations, right? So basically, they've lost, they could possibly lose, um, you know, $4 billion with their deal in China. So if the commissioner can't resolve this, they have pretty much $4 billion lost in China. So let's move on to Blizzard. Blizzard Entertainment has a game called Hearthstone. So esports is becoming a big thing. So in one match that they had televised, uh, there was a player, and I'm, I'm not going to say his name because I can't pronounce it, but it's Blitzchunk that he has game tag, right? Him and two other people that he was playing um, as a team, one of them wore a mask, which is Blitzchunk, and he talked about how he was you know, supporting um, the people in Hong Kong. And that's when Blizzard Entertainment came down hard on him because even though he won and was awarded first prize, which was like $10,000 and such, they stripped him of that and they banned him for a year. So this is the next problem. When you look at the competition rules for, for uh, Hearthstone, right? Um, it says in this section, it says, engaging in any act that, in Blizzard's sole discretion, brings you into public disrepute, offends a portion or a group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard image, will result in removal from Grandmasters and reduction of the player's prize total to zero. Uh, in addition to other remedies, which we were provided in, under the handbook and Blizzard website terms. So, they punished him, basically banned him for a year. They took away his prize money just because he wore a mask, which is kind of like in protest in Hong Kong, which they now are not allowed to wear. But also saying what he has said, that's what has caused this controversy. So, here's the problem. Blizzard Entertainment also operates in China. They would respond to, you know, after this this statement, while we stand with one's right to express individual thought and opinions, players and other participants that elect to participate in our esports competition must abide by the official competition rules. So here's the rub. 
Blizzard is an American company that is also operating in China. Because of the problem, what's going on in Hong Kong versus China, you're having this kind of dynamic of how companies, if you're working here in the U.S., you have freedom of expression, freedom of speech. You're not bound that I can say this about the president, I can say this about this company, and not get charged with a crime or kind of be restricted to say anything. But in China, you are. So in this case, that thing with Hong Kong is a very sore subject. So the NBA, even though they were saying, no, we're not going to do this because that's against our values, meaning the American values, it's not the exact same as in China. But Blizzard is kind of going one step saying, you know, we've taken measures to ensure that this person who quote-unquote, violated the terms, is taken care of. But it's more like acting on behalf of China and not on behalf as an American company that's working in China. So there's been a lot of backlash. A couple of politicians have also called Blizzard out on the hypocrisy that they're doing. We also have uh, an esports uh, announcer for Hearthstone that also had quit in protest. And as also employees had also walked out in Blizzard Entertainment for this reason itself. When you are in business, right? Let's start off with movies. And Gene and I talked about this, how the foreign market, namely China, is a big deal. You have over a billion people in China, right? Even though it could be a big hit here in the U.S., the foreign market has become a thing that companies are looking forward because they can get a bigger yield in revenue. So like Transformers have storylines that take place in China to kind of not say placate to that audience, but, you know, we recognize you guys, so we want to kind of include you in our movies. That's why they did things like that. Now, if you remember Shang-Chi, the, the new Marvel movie that's going to be coming out, and how that also may be a controversial situation because the comic book character leaves the homeland to the West, to the West, much like, like the actor who did the exact same thing with his family. So that's kind of frowned upon. So I'm not sure how that's going to work over with uh, China and Marvel, but that's going to be a thing they're going to have to address. In order for any U.S. company, you have to kind of abide by their rules in China, which there's a lot at stake. In this case, like the NBA lost possibly maybe $4 billion that they'll never get based on a tweet. Blizzard is trying to make sure that doesn't happen to them, but they're also working alongside with the government there, which in, in essence is censoring its own citizens. It is not going to be an easy decision. It's very easy for any one of us to judge 
any company to side with people who, like you and me, have the right to express ourselves. But then we are easily railing against those who, like Blizzard, are going along just to make sure that they stay in business with the Chinese government, which is communist. The first rule of business is that you make need to make money and you have a, a responsibility to your, to your shareholders. Tencent is a stakeholder in Blizzard, and I think it's only 5%, but they also get a, a share percentage of what they bring in during the revenue. It's in their best interest to kind of keep going along with what China is doing, even if it is complete opposite to our own values. That's going to be the issue. So how can you support a company that's doing this? The dollar, unfortunately, or the yen, seems to be a bigger speaker than our own concerns with our voice. All right, I'm done talking. This has been a long subject and a very long podcast. I didn't want to get into this kind of thing. It definitely has value in what we are doing here in the States. And we support companies with buying materials or playing games or watching movies. But now that you know a bit of the history here, are you going to still be playing Hearthstone? Knowing what Blizzard is ultimately doing in relation to its position with China. It's it's definitely a, a topic that I would love to revisit to see when, if any time the NBA can get their stuff back together or, you know, is Blizzard even in its right mind to still continue being in business for the sake of keeping peace and to continue and to continue operating in China. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that or post it on my Facebook page. I already have a couple of links there, but I would love to kind of continue that conversation as well. So again, as always, I encourage you to please email me at monstersci-fi-show at gmail.com. Follow me on the various social networks. So thank you for listening to me and to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.